Welcome to the Light the A Sports Podcast, home of the top interviews of Aggie Sports Nation. Former Utah State basketball head coach, Rod Tuer. Utah State gymnastics coach, Kristen White. Welcome to the program, John Eccles. Ashley Cardozo. Welcome to the program, former Utah State running back, Emmett White. How you doing? And now, here are your hosts, Jason Walker and Eric Franson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Light the A Podcast. Jason Walker here with Eric Franson. Had a lot of guests on this week. Had a chance to talk to several Aggie greats uh, over the course of this, uh, over this week. Uh, today we have the, uh, the great pleasure of speaking with an uh, inductee into the Utah State Athletics Hall of Fame. He was inducted in 2012. Uh, he ran for nearly 3,000 yards for the football team back in the early 2000s. Back-to-back 1,300-yard rushing season. And in his career, nearly had 4,000 scrimmage yards. Uh, in a game against New Mexico State in 2000, he accumulated... 578 all-purpose yards, which still stands as an NCAA single-game record. Uh, welcome to the program, former Utah State running back Emmett White. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, Emmett. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. I know it's been over 20 years since that day. I want to start with that day at New Mexico State, the one of all the all-purpose yards. I mean, you were running the ball. You were catching the ball. You were returning kicks. I mean, you were doing everything. And it's still amazing when you look back at it. Uh, and it was a game that really it went down to the wire and took one of your plays to really seal the deal. So uh, tell us, you know, walk us through that day before it got started. How were you feeling that day going into that game at Las Cruces? Uh, you know, that was the first time playing in Las Cruces. And um, the game plan, Coach Cole, um, he was our offensive coordinator back then. The game plan he had set up. Man, it was kind of to be a big game like that. Uh, maybe not in every single element as special teams and things like that, but um, surely from the line of scrimmage, he expected us to be able to have a very big day. So, uh, you know, with him being able to see that, how, I have no idea, but uh, it happened almost just kind of how he talked about during the week. So how do you go about getting that many like touches in the game, you had like 41 touches, at least receptions in, uh, and rushes, plus a few, you know, a few more, I think, six more returns. Like, how does that happen where you just touch the ball so much in a single game? Um, well, I think part of it was due to, I'm not sure if it was a double, it either, I think it was a double overtime game, um, double or triple overtime, so you know that's going to add five to ten carries uh, alone. Um, just going in that deep, but um, yeah, it's just one of those things of Coach Cole wasn't. Nowadays, you see teams rotating back. You know, Utah State right now is, you know, I think we had two or three backs. We possibly could have rotated too, but uh, Coach Cole kind of just took his main horses and just let them go. So uh, with that, there's really no breaks. You just went, and if you tapped out, different questions. But if you didn't tap out, he just let you go. And I was a little greedy, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're feasting like that, then uh, stay greedy. <laughs> so I, I guess with that, you know, how tired do you get in that kind of game where you're just running the ball over and over? You know what? I don't think it really hit me until the game was over. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, if anybody personally knows me, they know I – and fall asleep very quick, but that was, uh, I don't know if I barely made it onto the bus 
before I was really ready to lay down and take a quick nap. But um, it was just one of those things of I think the adrenaline and the way the game was flowing, it just, man, everything just kept me going because we were right in it the entire time. You know, looking back at that era, I mean, those were some interesting times for Utah State. You were part of uh, a team that was in the Big West, and then it transitioned to independence, uh, uncertainty there, but things that were able to still like, keep going, thank goodness. But what was that like from a, a player perspective, kind of having all those changes during your time as a player? Uh, you know what? I mean, I think it was a little different then. You picked a school, you kind of went there and stayed there. Versus, uh, man, nowadays we would add, I'm sure, plenty of guys transferring every direction possible. But, uh, you know, everybody pretty much stayed. And we just looked at it. We had a pretty close-knit offensive group between, you know, uh, Hope Fuentes and Curtis, uh, you know, Powell, some of those guys on the line. We're pretty close-knit group. So we all, you know, just stayed. Um, and got through it. It's just one of those things of all we looked at is that we just got different people calling plays. That's really the biggest difference. So well, you mentioned playing with you know Jose Fuentes and um, Kevin Curtis. I mean you're all you're all on the same team. You know several different guys who set records. Some of those records still standing today. Fuentes I think still has the career passing yards uh, uh, record, and obviously you got a, a you know record too. Like so what was it like playing with a group that was you know able to put up a lot of yards on offense. Oh, man, it was awesome. Um, I want to say that day, Kevin Curtis still went for over 100 yards receiving. So, um, you know, when you got guys like Fuentes who just put us in the correct spot, uh, linemen, you know, like Powell, um, Deep Penn was on that line. Um John Roberts, Chris Cooley, I mean, I can name them, but they're guys that are all, I call Utah State, uh, greats. And when you have all those on one team and nobody's complaining about getting the ball, we're just wanting to win. That's what makes it a unique environment, which was, I mean, it was just amazing to play in. So I got to ask the, uh, the Debbie Downer question. Uh, you know, you have all those amazing players on offense. I think in – in that 2000 or 2001 season, you're still only going up like four and seven. Like, you know, how, how does that end up happening where it feels like so many great players but not quite the results you guys would have wanted? Uh, you know, it's, I mean, honestly, just when you don't get the results you want, it sucks. Let's just be honest how way I look at it. But uh, just knowing that, hey, you know, from an offensive standpoint, cause that's how it kind of is when you get to college, offensive, defense. Let's be honest, it's kind of separated that way. Uh, the offense, we were trying to do as much as we can. I mean, I think we averaged over 30 points a game, um, which even as nowadays, if the Utah State team was averaging those type of points, they're winning a lot of championships. Uh, with all that coaching turnover, you did see a little bit of change in the, I'll say, the type of players they brought in. You know, we had some great dudes. I would, you know, replace any of them. But we had some very nice guys on defense. Um, where before the John Dale Cardi, Craig Miller, like the Amato era, those guys were no nonsense. 
you know, hard-nosed guys. We didn't have a ton of those on defense when we played. And what was it that initially attracted you to come to Utah State? Ooh, you know what? One of the biggest things I remember is Arsenalia was Smith and those guys kind of started to really persuade me. Then they left. And when Arsenalian told me I'd sell tickets, he's like, I, he's just honest. He's like, I think with me being a local guy, playing against all the high school teams in the Valley, he's like, you know, you'd be up here and he's like, you're going to sell tickets and people are going to come watch you play. And I think when you're in high school and somebody's talking to you like that, it was like, wow, like, they were going to come watch me. And so, uh, <laughs> That kind of made, that was kind of a big disciple. Plus, they would always speak to me. Like, they made me feel wanted from the other schools. And they talked to you, but it was only, it wasn't like very often. It's just like when they had to check up, where those guys were checking up just to just check up in general from all the different coaches, not just one or two. I was hearing from a lot. So, after my recruiting visit, you know, I liked the guys. I liked the atmosphere, went to spring ball, liked the atmosphere. And, man, it was, was going to be the place for me. So one question I was kind of curious about is, you know, Utah State got a single-season rushing record. Uh, Demario Brown set it back in 1999, which you actually were on the, same, on the team the same time as him. Um, but, you know, it hasn't been broken since then. We've had a lot of good running backs, you know, yourself, Robert Turbin, Michael Smith, Kerwin Williams, Darwin Thompson. Uh, you feel like... Is the record just that good, or is there something with the game that's changed that's not allowing a lot of these good running backs to, to get the carries to be able to break that kind of record? Uh, well, what was that record set at? Do we know that number? Just it was, uh, was 1,536 yards. 1,536. Uh, yeah, a lot of guys got close. Um, one, D. Brown was a freaking awesome back. He was a great mentor for me to have and then kind of pattern part of my game behind, come behind to play with, so, but that offense, I would say the offense then really heavily delight on D. Brown. Um, everything was kind of focused around him, where I mean, you have to think about it, uh, if I'm in the backfield, I'm just part of the offense, I have an all-pro tight end slash fullback and Chris Cooley with another freaking eight-year veteran receiver out there. We had plenty of weapons that I think made it easier for a lot of people to shine. I'm sure if you looked at overall offensive production, our years were possibly more productive, you know, as in statistically. Um, but, you know, D. Brown, you know, they, they relied on him, and he did a good job, uh, you know, taking taking the team and helping them how he could. So I think that's the difference. You know, Robert Turbin and Kerwin, you got two NFL running backs that are sharing the ball and still putting up stats. So just imagine if Kerwin wasn't there and it would have just been Turbin. Now I'm sure Turbin probably goes over that record for sure, if it's just him alone. So, 
Emma, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty clear just watching you on social media and just talking to you today. You you, you keep in in uh, you keep a close eye on what's going on with your alma mater. Do you get a chance to come up to many games, and do you stay in contact with, uh, uh, or, or not just necessarily your former teammates, but do you stay or do you are you in contact with the the current coaching staff or administration here at Utah State? Yeah, the current guys are, you know, the current staff is solid. I like those guys. I mean, obviously, we've got some alumni between DJ. Um, I don't even want to say his name because I know I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> uh, so you got DJ out there. You have Chucky out there. So, guys, you just, you know, you'll meet and you'll be brothers with forever. But some of those guys that Coach Anderson's brought along with his staff are just really good guys. Um and, you know, right now my son is on the team also. So that keeps me, that keeps me um, obviously into the game too. So anytime I can be around or anything I can do for the program, I'm usually up for that. So I'm going to ask you a potentially loaded question. Uh, who's the uh, best running back in Utah State history? The best running back in Utah State history. Who? Tough one. You're certainly that, in the conversation. That's going to be a tough one. I would say, who best back? Man, you know what? Overall, gosh, that's a tough one. So I think they all brought a lot of different things to the table. I mean, Turbin is surely up there because guy was a monster. Um, still is. But I think there are some other backs that could do things out of the backfield a little bit better. But you know what? I'm just going to go off the top. Just what I think I'm going to say D. Brown. Um, and that's just because he's the one I look to the most in certain things he did that I felt I can do those same things. I could be as successful as he was. So I'm going to say D. Brown. Fair enough. I mean, it's a good choice. Yeah, single season record there. Yeah. Can't go wrong. And, and really, yeah, I think you're right. He uh, he really set the table for you um, in what he was able to do, uh, where he's number one in overall yards in a season, but you're you're not too far behind him. You're on the top ten list twice from your junior year and your senior year. Uh, but, you know, just um, talking about the you – know, staying connected with current staff and current organization you've mentioned some of your former teammates uh that that uh, you played with some of these guys went on to the nfl uh and uh, had pretty significant careers in the nfl but did you do you stay much in contact with some of your former teammates from the time that you played oh yeah oh yes i mean some of those guys are i mean they're my guys my best guys ed powell is i mean you know my center hell we speak if not every other day, probably every other day. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but, you know, if we, I go back to California, you got Ken Watts. Um, we still not have not linked up on the golf course yet, but we are trying to. Um, and then just at the alumni game, man, that's one of the best times I had. Or sorry, not the alumni game, homecoming. Um, that's probably one of the best times I've had with uh, Deco and Cardi. Uh, coming back, my old roommate Salomona. I mean, I speak to him probably weekly. Donald Penn. I mean, and whenever he comes in town, we always link up. So, uh, yeah, we try to keep. We have a little uh, jokester type 
deals, you know, us athletes like to tell a lot of jokes between each other. So it's about 10 of us, Marcus Dale, some different guys on the Instagram thing, that if somebody posts something that's a little suspect, we can kind of make fun of each other uh, <laughs> in all good faith and just have a good time. But it keeps us still in the same circle. Speaking of, you know, post-career, obviously, tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. Uh, obviously, I think I reached out to you through the, like, uh, optimal performance training, I think is what it was. Yes. So that is my training company. So I do own a sports performance training company, Optimal Performance, which is just located down in this River County area. Um, and we've been training athletes for about this year, 16. Um, wow. We've. We've been able to work with uh, Turbin, you know, when he's came back and just been here, like say when he was in Seattle, um, when he comes back and just worked with him. Other guys that have been there say that they want to get ready for their pro day or so. Granted, we're not up in the valley. Um, we either go up there. Sometimes they come down this way and, you know, work with them. But we've worked with various. Our main focuses down in this area where we have a pretty solid foundation from lacrosse to soccer to obviously football um, any sport basketball we've kind of got it all so it's, it's, it's been good it's been very good down this way it seems to be a really growing industry. Uh, a lot of uh, former you know, college athletes uh, getting into this and uh, growing kind of their connections and their relationships. And uh, a lot of athletes, uh, aspiring athletes, uh, utilizing organizations like yourself to fine-tune their skills and, and get better. It seems to be a really uh, a growing industry. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at it from the top, the big guys, um at the NFL, NBA levels, they're training. So to me, hey, if I'm trying to be the best I can, why would I not? But um, we just kind of we have our 707 program, the Utah Prospects, which is uh, one of the biggest 707 organizations in the state. Um, and that's a very fast-growing industry. Um, it's really blown up here. And so, uh, looking to we're looking to expand into the valley, um, possibly this upcoming spring. Um, it's going to be interesting because now we watch some of our guys play with us, and now they're on the team. Uh, Pelake Makakona um, played with us. Uh, obviously, my son Kyrie Rowan played with us. Um, there's been other past players. Sione Moa started with us. And then, you know, he ended up with his dad team. So we have some different guys up there that we are able to develop and make into future Aggies. So it's a good thing. You're, you're, the, you're the pipeline. I yeah. like it. Like to subtly <laughs> push people Something toward like Utah that. State. <laughs> so I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you your opinion of uh, this year's team. What do you feel like? Maybe this, year, this, uh, this team and last year's team, what do you feel like the, the current state of the program is? Oh, now you're always putting me on. That's putting me on the spot. I <laughs> <laughs> well, got, got connections um, to the team. <laughs> I believe Coach Anderson came in and laid an amazing foundation for the team. Obviously, with the season they had last year, um, stirred up a lot of things as people questioned. Um, and it turned out uh, this year, 
you know, it's not quite exactly the same. Uh, but I don't. Obviously, we're not playing with the same players. I don't feel we lost. Let's say I don't think we lost as many players as games on which our record shows. Does that makes sense. I think they still have good players. Um, some of them are a little bit younger, uh, so it's there. But I mean, I think it's headed in the right direction. I think a few more guys who maybe are watching should begin possible opportunities uh, so we can really see how much depth we got um, and trying to replace like those receiver obviously the receiver core was our strong point last year um, just knowing some of those guys up there I think some of them are not exactly their level but they could step in and fill those shoes and keep the program going but uh Obviously, the coaches are making their decisions, and they're doing a good job. You know, I think it's just one of those things. I hate to be, I call it a BYU fan. And when things go bad, now you just, it's all world has ended. I mean, you have down seasons. Uh, So I think they do have the right players up there to kind of get back on track. Sometimes you just have that down year. So no coach wants it, but it does happen. You had mentioned your son uh, a couple times here. Just uh, he got a chance to get some some playing time here recently, not too long ago, getting some action in a game. Sometimes uh, a couple guys were hurt and trying to find some some guys who were available and, and wanting to make some action there. But what are you seeing in him and uh, how he's integrating into this Utah State offense? Mm, I'll be honest, he hasn't really integrated into it much. <laughs> but I have. A- all the faith in the world as soon as he gets a shot that um, is going to be beneficial for the team as well as for itself. I mean, yes, he's my son, but we put a lot of players up there. So it's just one of those things. He just needs to be patient. And that's what I talked to him about, trying to find your role on special teams. And then once you get that opportunity uh, to shine, take advantage of it and there's no question in my mind. Once they actually give him a, a real shot, that that'll happen. You kind of shared your own experience. Obviously, you had to sit for you know a couple of years. Uh, Brown was you know doing his thing, and then you didn't get your shot until your junior season. Have you kind of shared that with him? Uh, oh yeah. You know, I think it was a little different with me being a returner. Let's just face it, an offensive returner, you still get the limelight because you're the sole person back doing a punt return or things, so I think things seemed accelerated to me, even though I wasn't taking a lot of snaps, but I still had, was able to have the ball in my hand. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you could tell everybody to be patient, but everybody, and if you're really a higher-level athlete, should want to be put in situations to make plays to show what you can do, so... That's the toughest part right now is trying to make sure his son just be patient. You know, he's only a sophomore. So um, if we were to do things similar to myself, uh, next year would be a year when he could help add to the offense. The nice part is the quarterbacks are young. So he's going to have the same person thrown to him again, so they won't have to change that. So that'll be good. It's going to be interesting to see what the, what the future holds here. 
Well, Emmett, last question for me is just uh, I know you've had a little bit of um, you know, coaching experience, and certainly with what you're, you're doing now with your training program, is, is coaching in the future for you again? <laughs> you know what? That would be it's tough when your kid's in school. So until he was done, no. Um, I do have one son who just finished playing college baseball. So when he finished, I'll say that it started to come knowing that I just do have one left. Um, so, yeah, it would be interesting. I did put in for a running back coach there. Gosh, how many years ago was that? That was a while ago um, when the Wales era was possibly there. Uh, and that might have been, I mean, if I jumped into it, I jumped into it. But now I kind of do, I want to be able to watch my son on Saturday, not coaching somebody else's son. It'll be great on a Saturday. So after he's done, it could be. It could be. We'll, we will see. So I'll give you one last question. Uh, so obviously, you know, in, in your time in the 90s and 2000s, like the program was starting to get a little bit better, um, had some great players, you know, and you know, when you get into the late 2000s, Bobby Wagner, Robert Turbin, then finally the program kind of starts a real turnaround toward being good around 2012. And what was that for you to see Utah State finally kind of take a big step forward in terms of not just being like, you know, little cupcakes at, at times, but Man, being a you real know, team? Of course, it was, good, it was good to see. I mean, obviously we didn't do it. So um, to see a group of young men come in and do it and have, let the coaches let you be part of it, I think that's what's been part of the struggle. Some of the alumni – has wanted to be more part of it, as in even just coming back to games and feeling welcomed. Uh, that when that those down years in the earlier to mid two thousands, uh, or right before that Wagner Turbin era, uh, things I think were kind of hard. wasn't a lot of alumni support, um, but after those guys have came and most of the coaches after have done a good job, like Coach Anderson and them have done an amazing job. Like, this is what the funnest homecoming game that I've been to. And so, uh, so being able to watch those guys turn things around and just see the what happens when the facilities, when they do, with the new facilities built, uh, can just show you, like, man, we can kind of make that program as big as we'd like it to be. But we do got to win games to keep, uh, expanding our facility and giving these young men the things that they need. So hopefully that's what they can continue to do. And so the rest of us, I mean, we're going to hang our head proud regardless, but it's always a little bit easier when they're on the winning side of things. Yeah, we'll certainly hope they keep doing the winning. But uh, Emmett White, former Utah State running back and uh, record holder in several different ways, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. This has been the Light the A podcast with Jason Walker and Eric Franzen. Be sure to like the episode and share your favorite part of it. You can also find the show on Twitter at 1069 The Fan.